Bibles this morning, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation, now, uh, on the screen it says Revelation 21, and we are going to be in Revelation 21, but I also, well, I want to back up today, and I want to begin in Revelation 20, and then we'll make our way to Revelation chapter 21. We've been in a series now, this may be the last message, um, I, I thought maybe last week was going to be the last message, as we talked about Bible, as we talked about uh, uh, God's ultimate day of climate change. Um, and in that message, I had just made mention that in heaven, there's going to be no sea. And I said, that's another message. And well, after the service, folks came to me and they said, preacher, you got you to tell us about that. You got to talk about that. And, and uh, I felt like the, the Holy Spirit was leading that way. And so I had, uh, I don't know that I've ever brought a message on that, but I've definitely included it. I, I've definitely included that subject uh, in a message or two. Uh, but this is not that message. This is a totally brand new, totally brand new message that I want to give you today with some fresh, uh, fresh content. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk up to you today just for a little bit about, and there was no more sea. And so Revelation chapter 20 in your Bibles, and let's give you one last opportunity to stand and also out of respect for the Word of God and get your blood, blood pumping and get you going here so you can hopefully pay attention and listen a little bit today. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse number 11. I hope you've enjoyed our biblical uh, prophecy series. Uh, we started it back in July. Did not know that we'd still be going. It's almost November, but the Lord knows what we need, and I believe it's, uh, some folks have got some help. I've got some help. Uh, man, listen, I hope you've learned something. If you haven't learned anything, man, I've learned some things, and the Lord really has used this to help me and teach me personally, and I'm so thankful for that. Look, if you will, at Revelation 20, verse 11. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. He said, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, all these verses are familiar because we preached from several of these verses even just in the last few weeks. But I want you to look with me, please, at Revelation 21 and verse number 1. And I felt like it was important that we read those last few because we are going to make references to those last few verses in just a moment. But look at verse 1. Revelation 21, verse 1. John the Revelator says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And then John makes this statement, And... There was no more sea. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And there was no more sea. Somebody says, preacher, why? Now, we were just at the sea yesterday along with a lot of our couples. And, and boy, God blessed us with beautiful weather. I mean, it was just absolutely gorgeous down there. And the ocean was just absolutely spectacular as it always is. And we, we look at that. A lot of our couples had the opportunity to walk up and down the beach and enjoy the beach, enjoy the ocean and the sand. 
And we look at that and we say, why is it that the Lord would, would create a new heaven and a new earth without a sea? Well, and I'm not preaching on this part today, but I I will tell you this, church, I can tell you this, there's going to be no shortage of beautiful things to look at in God's new heaven and God's new earth. So so it's not like God needs the help of the ocean. Uh, It's going to be, listen, eternity is going to be beautiful. But I want to talk to you about that subject, and there was no more sea. You may be seated this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump right into the Bible study this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church today. And Lord, what a great morning. What a great Sunday school hour. And uh, our, our hearts were helped. We were encouraged, Lord, over this thing of, uh, of guilt. And then I'm sure that, Lord, you did great things in the other classes as well. And then, Lord, we uh, thank you for the good choir singing today. What a blessing that was. And then, Lord, absolutely one of my absolute favorite songs that Brother Mike sang today. There's room at the cross for you. And uh, Lord, I can remember as a boy growing up, many, many of the crusades used that song um, during their invitations. And I appreciate not just the song, but I appreciate the truth of the song, that there's room at the cross uh, for us all. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless our discussion this morning, our biblical prophecy uh, series has been a little different. It has been, at times, it's been more teachy than preachy. But God, I pray that you'll bless our teaching this morning. And I pray that, Lord, that it will hit its mark. And I pray the Spirit of God will bring the increase. And I pray that our wonderful, blessed Savior would receive glory and praise from all that's done. Now, Lord, help our hearts to be open and help our minds to be, re- be receptive. And Father, I pray that you would fill us, not just the preacher, but I pray that you would fill us with the spirit of God and the spirit of understanding and the spirit of knowledge. Uh, and Lord, that, uh, uh, that, that spirit of wisdom today. And so help us please, Father. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, the Bible tells us here that the old earth and universe, as we know it at least, uh, have fled away. We read that in Revelation chapter number 20. And uh, the, the old earth and universe in the presence of the Lord are going to flee away. One scholar used these terms for this passage. He said that heaven and earth have been uncreated. Now, I read that and I thought, wow, that's a different kind of statement. Heaven and earth have been uncreated. He went on to say this, they have gone from existence into no existence. And I'm going to be honest, we read that statement and we say, that's not possible. It's not possible with you. It's possible with God. You see, the same God that has the power to create has the power to uncreate. The God that has the power to start the clock has the same power to stop the clock. And for that matter, the same God that started the clock has the power to back the clock up. He can do that. In fact, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass, pass away. And so God's word tells us here that the new Jerusalem and the new earth are going to be amazing places. Now, let me, let me start by saying this. According to Scripture, it is possible that there will be some things that are present in eternity, but there will not be necessarily a need for those things that are present 
in eternity. For instance, for instance, you say, preacher, there'll be no sun, no moon in heaven. That's not necessarily what the Bible says. Uh, you say, no, preacher, the Bible says that there'll be no sun, no moon in the new eternity. That's not necessarily what the Bible says. In fact, I want to draw your attention to Revelation 21 since you're right there. Revelation 21 and verse number 22. Look what the Holy Spirit says here. Uh, and I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, here again, if you want to say there's not going to be a sun or a moon, that, you know, that's fine, and we're not going to debate and argue about that kind of thing, uh, because once we get there, it's not going to matter, amen? But, I'm, but I just, I'm here to tell you this, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that the sun and moon aren't going to be there, it just says that there's not going to be any need of the sun or the moon when we get there. My wife and I got up this morning, got ready, and we got in our vehicle and started making our way to church. And as we started heading, heading down 64 there, we noticed uh, the moon was huge this morning. Now, we, it was daylight when we left, but the moon was just, uh, it was full and it was big. Now, to be quite honest with you, we didn't really need the light of the moon this morning as we were on our way to church, but I'm going to be honest, man, it was gorgeous. I mean, it was just beautiful. And as we drove to church and just looked at the fullness of the moon, even in the daylight, it was just, I mean, the sun was here, the moon was here, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. I believe this. I believe one of these days when we get in heaven, I believe that there may be a sun and there may be a moon. It could be, but I do believe this. We won't need them because our Bible tells us that the glory of God is what's going to provide the light, but it could be that God is going to give us a sun and God, and God is going to give us a moon, but he's just going to do it for absolute beauty. And every day, you'll wake up. You won't need them, but they'll be there, and they'll be there just to be a blessing to you and, and to provide uh, the beauty of the Lord. But the Bible does tell us this. The Bible does tell us in these terms that there will be no sea. Look at it again in your Bibles. Revelation 21, verse 1. John says this, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And then he says these words, and there was no more sea. Now I'm going to get in that in just a moment, but I want to give you real quickly today, and I mean that, I'm going to give you five lessons, five lessons, Bible lessons about the sea. And this is just introduction, but I believe it'll be a help to you. I believe this will, I believe that this will encourage you, and I'll put this on the screen this morning. Number one, I wrote this down. The sea is an evidence, first of all, of God's divine supremacy. Now, I'm going to give you way too many scriptures for you to turn to all these. You'll just have to jot them down. And later in your devotions, you can go back and look at these because I've got way too many. But listen to Psalm 107, verse number 23. The Bible says, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. In other words, whenever you go close to the ocean, one of the things that you're reminded of is that God is supreme. 
that God is almighty, that God is glorious. That's what the psalmist is saying. Listen to Psalm 95 and verse number three. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his and he made it uh, and his hands formed the dry land. And then the psalmist said this, after thinking about that, he said this, oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. In other words, the psalmist said, listen, when you look at these things that God has created, when you look at the greatness and the vastness of these things, you know what the psalmist is saying, man, it makes you just want to fall down and worship God because you realize he's a supreme God. He's a great God. He's a glorious God. And he really is, church. He really is. He is, he is really He is really that great. Did you know there are some places that when you visit there, you can't help but see the fingerprint of God? You just can't help but do it. My wife and I, just uh, last year, I guess it was last year, we went out west, and for the very, very first time, we visited the Grand Canyon. Man, I'm glad we did. If you've never gone, you ought to go. I mean, it, it, is, it is bucket list type stuff. And I'll, I, listen, we've been some places before where it was beautiful and it was uh, just uh, splendid and that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, when we walked up and saw the Grand Canyon for the first time, it blew us away. I mean, it just absolutely blew us away. And I'll tell you what the Grand Canyon will do for you. It'll make you realize how big God is and how small you are. I mean, just to, think, uh, just to think about all that God has created. But when you go to the ocean like we did just the last few days with our, with our couples and you, you look at the ocean, man, you know what? You're overwhelmed by the greatness and the supremacy of God. Think about it. Listen, you can't see across it. You can't swim across it. You, listen, it's absolutely impassable unless you have some type of outside help. You're not going to get in the Atlantic Ocean and say, you know what? I think I'll take off swimming for Europe. It ain't going to happen, friend. I'm just telling you, it ain't going to happen. It's too big. It's way too wide. It's way too great. It's way too vast. Uh, and it, it's just, it's something that you look at and you think, you know what? There's no way that man could have ever ever created this. There's no way that this could have just happened to happen. Uh, listen, there is a God. And when you see the when you see the ocean, you're reminded of the supremacy of the Lord that we serve. But I'll tell you something else. Number two, I wrote this down. The sea is an evidence of God's divine sovereignty. Not only does it remind us of his supremacy, but the sea is an evidence of God's divine sovereignty. What are you talking about, Pastor? Have you ever wondered why the ocean stops where it stops? Now just think. I mean, just, just for a moment, just use your analytical part of the brain that you have. You have an analytical part of the brain, don't you? And just, just think about it. I mean, this week, we're down there, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and, man, we'd look out, you know, off the balcony there, and ocean is coming up. You know what? It comes up to a certain place, and it just stops. And then a little bit later, it goes away. And then during the high tide, it comes back, but it just comes to a certain spot. And it just stops right there. And somebody says, preacher, how does that happen? Who regulates that? Uh, did, did Congress, uh, legis- did they pass some legislation that said that the, that the ocean goes so far and it stops? Uh, there was some legislation passed, but Congress didn't do it. I'll promise you that. 
You see, it is a God. It's, it's your God. It's a God that tells the, the ocean to stop where it is. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse number 22, listen to what Jeremiah the prophet said. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it and though the waves thereof toss themselves yet can they not prevail though they roar yet can they not pass over it Proverbs chapter 8 verse 29 the Bible says when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment when he appointed the foundations of the earth you say pastor why does the ocean come so far and it stops you know why it does that because God tells it to You say, preacher, there's got to be other things. You know why the ocean stops? God tells it to. Now, scientists can come up with all these other things, and they can say, oh, no, you know, it's a, it's a gravitational pull, and, it's, you know, and all this other stuff. Okay, let me ask you a question. Who created the gravitational pull? Well, you see, you see what it is, Pastor. You see what it, you know, Doctor Doctor Big Bottom. You know, you see what it is. What it is, you see, it's, it's the moon and the and the rotation and the and the revolutions and and the gravity gravity pull. Okay, who who created the moon? I'm just telling you that the reason the reason the ocean stops where the ocean stops is because there is an almighty God that does not need anybody's permission, but there is an almighty God that looks at the sea and he says, I want you to come this far and I don't want you to come any further. I want you to stay right there. We say, okay, preacher, if that be the case, Mr. Sparney Pants, if that be the case, then why every once in a while does it not stop there? I got an answer for that one, too. Take your, your now hold your place because we're going back to Revelation. But I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the, to the book of Amos. The book of Amos, we call it a minor prophet book. It's toward the, it's toward the end of your Old Testament. Uh, Amos chapter 5 and verse number 8. And the Bible tells us exactly why from time to time the waters don't stop. Sometimes they, sometimes they do surpass that line. Sometimes they do come up into the neighborhood. Sometimes they do come up into homes and houses and, and, uh, and those kind of things. You say, preacher, why is that? Amos chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion and turneth the shadow of death into, into the morning and maketh the day dark with night. Look at this. That calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Listen to me, church. Do you know why the ocean stops where it stops? It does so because there's an almighty God that says stop right there. You say, preacher, okay, then why is it that every once in a while those waters come into the, into the inland? I'll tell you why. The same God who tells it to stop is the same God who tells it to go. Oh, listen, this is all I'm saying we learn a, lay, a great lesson from the ocean and that's this we learn our God is a sovereign God all powerful almighty now I can't get bogged down here although it's tempting and so let's, let's keep going hey number three look at this the sea is an evidence of God's divine sizeability not only his supremacy his sovereignty but the sea is an evidence of God's divine sizeability. You say, preacher, how big is God? You ever wonder about that? How big is God? I mean, man, he must be big. God must be, 
listen, to do everything he does and to create all that he's created, man, he must be, he must be big. And when you look at the ocean, one of the things that you learn from the ocean is, you're right, God is big. In fact, you're in Amos, turn back to the right, I'm sorry, to the left just a little bit and look at the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 40. And Isaiah chapter 40, the Bible tells us how big God is. Isaiah chapter 40, and look at verse number 10. Now, this is introduction, so we got to get with it, all right, here. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Behold, the Lord will come with a strong hand. And his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. The Bible says he's measured the heavens with a span. You know what that means? All of the universe that we enjoy. You know what, you know what the Bible's talking about there? That's a span. From the tip of the thumb to the end of the little finger. And Isaiah said, our God is so big, he measures the universe with a span. That's how big he is. How, God, how big is God? The Bible says he measures the water in the hollow of his hand. Man, he just puts it right there in the hollow of his hand. And so the seas teach us about his supremacy, about his sovereignty, about his, his sizability. Look at this, number four. The sea is an evidence of God's divine severity. Of God's divine severity. What do you mean, pastor? God has the power to use his creation to judge wickedness. Now, that's not popular. That's not politically correct. Nobody wants to hear that anymore. Everybody wants to just, you know, everybody wants to, to, to go by that one. But, you know, regardless of that, it's true. God has the power to use his creation to judge wickedness. Listen to Psalm 89 and verse number 8. The psalmist said, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee? Or to thy faithfulness round about thee. Verse 9. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. Every once in a while, God has to get our attention, don't he? And God says to the ocean, come on up. Now, thank God in his mercy, he usually does this. Thank God in his mercy, he's a, he's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. Jeremiah said, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fell not, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And thank God, the majority of the time, God does this to the ocean. And he says, stop right there. But every once in a while, every once in a while, when we begin to forget God and forget our need for God and decide to do our own thing, every once in a while, God says, all right, come on. You say, preacher, I don't think you ought to preach that. Well, it's true. The Bible, I mean, listen, clearly the Bible says, thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves there ever rise, God is the one that does that. God is the one that, that controls all that. And God can do that with the sea. 
Some of you folks that are a little bit older anyway, remember this, December the 26th, 2004. Now get this. A hundred miles off the coast of a place called Sumatra, Indonesia. A hundred miles off the coast, an earthquake happens. A hundred miles. Church, that's almost like that's almost like getting in your car and driving from here to Asheville, North Carolina. A hundred miles off the coast, an uh, uh, earthquake, a major earthquake happens, I mean, far below the, the, uh, the, the sea, far below the, the surface of the earth, an earthquake happens, and it causes what they call a tsunami. That tsunami wave crashes into Indonesia, and that wave is so powerful that 230,000 people lost their life. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying, we learn some things from the ocean, don't we? We see his supremacy. We see his sovereignty. We see his sizability. We see his severity. But, oh, listen, isn't this, a, isn't this a good one? The sea is an evidence of God's divine sympathy. Turn, if you will, to Micah. You're in Isaiah, so you're right there in the neighborhood. Look, if you will, at Micah, chapter number 7. Again, uh, one of the, the minor prophet books there, Micah, chapter 7. And look at verse number 19. And all listen, church, take joy in this. Micah 7, verse 19. The Bible says he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And then the Bible says, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Boy, thank God, when I got born again, you know what God did? God took my sins and he cast my sins into the depths of the sea. And I like what Corey Ten Boom said. Corey Ten Boom said he takes our sins and he casts our sins in the depths of the sea. And then he posts a sign right there that says, no fishing allowed. And it's so true. We learn so many great, great lessons from the ocean. But if somebody says, okay, pastor, I get all that. But why will the new earth be created without a sea? Well, let me give you a, a few thoughts, and we're, and we're done today. How about this? Number one, because the sea has typically been used as a source of judgment. A source of judgment. I could give you Revelation chapter 18, verses 21 through 24. Uh, if, you're still, if you still have your place there, Revelation chapter 20, I want you to turn back there with me, if you will. And I just thought this was interesting in the scripture that we read this morning as we started the message. Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. The Bible reminds us, and the sea gave up the dead which are in it. And the sea gave up the dead which are in it. What, what's the Bible telling us there? Sometimes the sea can be pretty, pretty brutal. A lot of folks have died because of the sea. A lot of folk have been buried at sea. A lot of folk never made it back out of the sea. And so the sea typically in the past has been, has been saw as a, as, a, as a thing of judgment. But here's what I'm saying. In eternity, in eternity, there'll be no fear of judgment for those that have been born again. So preacher, why is there going to be no sea on the new earth? Well, the sea for years and years has been a type of judgment, a picture of judgment. But boy, thank God, church, one of these days when we're in God's eternity, there will be no judgment. Now, you say, preacher, why, why is that? And I'll tell you why. Because thank God our sin was judged in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Our Bible tells us in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're saved, if you're here this morning and your name is written down in the last book of life, I've got great news for you. You don't have to worry about judgment. You don't have to worry about answering for your sins. Thank God your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're never going to be judged for those sins. Thank God they're washed away. Happy day. Happy day when my sins were washed away. I'm telling you, thank God you won't have to worry about those judgments. Now, what's that mean? That means, thank God, the sting of death because of Jesus has been removed. Because of what he did on the cross of Calvary, the sting is gone. Let me, let me read the scripture for you if I could. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Old death, where is thy sting? Old grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God, because of him, judgment has been taken away. And our judgment was put in him. That sting has been removed. The old story, you've heard it before. Daddy and his son were in a car, and they were headed to a destination it was during the summertime and the bees were out. And sometimes, especially right about now, the bees get a little crazy. And they got in the car and closed the doors and he put it in drive. And they were headed down, down the road. And then they discovered there was a bee in the car with them. And the bee was flying around. And the little boy was just scared to death to get stung. And, and maybe even allergic. And, and so he literally just, I mean, was just absolutely terrified that that bee was going was gonna to sting him. And so the daddy just, the daddy just reaches up and he, and he grabs the bee in his hand. And a few seconds later, he lets the bee go. And the bee flies off. And the little boy starts, you know, getting hysterical again. And the, and the dad said, son, you don't have to get hysterical. You don't have to worry about that bee. He didn't have a stinger. And the dad took his hand and he stretched his hand. And he said, see right here, and that stinger was right there in that dad's hand. He said, son, that bee can't hurt you. The stinger's been taken out. He stung me so he couldn't sting. Oh, yes, good neighbor. He stung me so he couldn't sting you. Hey, Calvary, you know what? I, because I'm a sinner, I deserved the sting of death. I deserved to go to hell. I deserved to pay for my sin. But thank God, thank God, there was a God that loved me enough to send his son Jesus for me. And Jesus came and he bled and he suffered and he died an excruciating death. And hallelujah, he's got the scars in his hands to prove it and he took the sting out of death why will there why will there be no ocean in heaven preacher because in the past it's been used as a source of judgment quickly and I'll get this last point number two why is there going to be no sea in the new earth number two because the sea suppresses growth and development now this is just a short little point here but listen to this have you ever noticed this man has the ability to build up to the sea but he doesn't have much ability to build on the sea. Now we've got every once in a while you'll see some, you'll see some oil rigs and you'll see things like that, that out there. But boy, how many know this? How many know this that if you build close to the sea, it's a risk. And you can do all the architectural work and you can make sure it's hurricane proof and all that kind of thing. But truth of the matter is, it's just according to the hurricane. And there's a, there's a very good chance when that storm comes in, what you had before may be there, and it may not be there. 
And so man can build right up to the sea, but he really can't build on the sea. But one of these days in the new earth, God's going to just take that ocean that covers so much of our earth, and he's just going to take that ocean away, and man, he'll use that space, and it'll be used for God's people. Beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely uh, out of this world. I mean, just, just, um, it, it's just going to, it's going to knock your socks off. And so why is there no ocean on the new earth? Because the sea's been used as a source of judgment. Because the sea suppresses growth and development. I'm done, but listen, listen to this last point. Because the sea serves as a type of separation. Did you know there's a natural barrier? The sea is a natural barrier. It's a border. It's a wall of separation. We have... Folks in here uh, this morning that served in the military. Some of you served overseas. And so you know exactly what I'm talking about. We have young men and women right now that are serving our nation valiantly. And they're stationed somewhere across the ocean. They're stationed in Germany. They're stationed, uh, they're stationed over uh, close to Israel. Some of them are in the, in the Mediterranean Sea right now. And, and wait a minute now, they have loved ones living here. Some of those military personnel have wives that are here. They have husbands that are here. They have children that are here that love them deeply. Listen, they would love to go be with that, with that spouse and have a date with them. Or maybe it's their birthday. And, and they would love to go and celebrate their birthday and have a birthday party. And, and, and they would love to, to, to go and, and hug dad or hug mom and, and just embrace them. Oh, they would, listen, they would love to do that. And truth of the matter is, even in the military, sometimes you get to leave. And some of those folks across the ocean, from time to time, they have days off and they do have leave. And, uh, and yet, even though they have leave, their families can't join with them. You know why that is? There's a wall of separation. They can't just get in their car and just drive to the military base. There's a wall of separation. And that separation is the ocean. You understand that we have, we'll have missionaries here tonight. There are missionaries that are serving in some foreign field right now, and there are moms and dads who love those folks like their own life, and they're living here in the States, and they would love to see those kids. They would love to hold those grandkids. All they can do now is just, you know, talk to them on FaceTime, and, and, and months and months and months and months, and maybe even sometimes years will pass, and those grandparents never get to hold those grandbabies, and those, those parents never get to touch those kids, and and they long to do that, but they cannot do it. You know why? Because there's a separation there. It's called the ocean. It's a barrier. It's a wall of separation. Did you know in eternity, that wall of separation is going to be taken out? Eternity will no longer be a place of separation. Eternity will be a place of great reunion. A few months ago, I stood right here and I preached my little mama's funeral. My wife, yesterday, going down the road, my wife played a video. It just popped in, up in our memories and she played a video yesterday. Mom was in the hospital. She was really, really sick. And I was praying with mom and dad. Boy, that, that got me. Or maybe that was this morning. Maybe that was this morning. Well, my little mama, I'm telling you what, you talk, you're talking about a sweet mama. Man, I had a sweet mama. I mean, I loved her to death, and she loved me. You say, preacher, were you a mama's boy? I was. I am. I still am. 
And uh, oh, listen, me and mom had a we had a special relationship, and I'm so thankful for my mom. But the truth of the matter is, Calvary, I can't touch her. Man, especially there at the end, every time, every time I'd go over to their house, I'd hug my mom. Man, I'd hug her. You know why? Because I thought this might be the last time. I was careful to hug her. I was careful to, to put a, a kiss on her cheek maybe several times. And, and, uh, uh, and, and boy, thank God for my, my godly mother. I'm probably standing here today because of, of her impact in my life. And I love her. I mean, I love her, but I can't go to her. I can't touch her. I can't see her. I can't talk to her. Sometimes I find myself just wanting to pick up the phone and call and say, Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. How you doing today? I think, oh, I can't do that. Mom's not here. Are y'all following me? There's a barrier. There's a wall of separation. But I got good news. One of these days that barrier is going to be removed. And I'll see mom again. I'll touch mom again. I'll kiss her cheek again. I'll get, to, I'll get to visit with my mom again. Listen, why will there be no sea in the new earth? Because thank God all the walls and the barriers and the, and the separation is going to be broken down. And I'm telling you, what a glad reunion day we're going to enjoy in glory. It's going to be wonderful. Mama was taking her little girl and she was, you know, she, she wasn't uh, like a little tot or anything, but she was... She was, you know, not very old, and she was going to put her on an airplane. And Grandpa and Grandma lived all the way across America, and she was going to put her little girl on the plane, going to send her to Grandma and Grandpa, spend some time with them for a little bit. And, and, uh, and they let you do this. You know, when you're going to fly your kids somewhere, they'll let you walk all the way. You know, you come through the TSA, they'll let you walk them all the way back to the gate. They'll let you walk all the way pretty much to the plane. And, of course, they, you know, supervise all of that. But that's what she was doing. She got her little girl on the plane, got her buckled in, got her all taken care of, and she said, honey, she said, you aren't scared, are you? And she looked back at her mom. She said, mommy, I am just a little, but not too much, because I know who's going to meet me on the other side. You said, preacher, are you concerned about death? Oh, maybe a little. But not too much, because I know who's going to meet me on the other side. I tell this little story all the time. Y'all have heard it. You could quote it. You could tell it. I tell it almost every funeral I preach. But here's the thing. I love to hear my own stories. Isn't that something? A little girl skipping down a path one day, and it's not quite dark, but almost dark, and there's a breeze that's blowing that night. Not stormy, but just sort of a blustery breeze, and, and the sun has already went down. You can't really see the sun, but it's not quite dark, dusky dark, sort of. And she comes skipping down a path, and she comes to an old, broken-down cemetery, and, and she gets ready to go into the cemetery, and there's an older gentleman that, that's seated right there, uh, hanging out right there at the beginning of the, at the entrance of the old cemetery. And as this little girl gets ready to go in the, in the cemetery, and it's it's almost dark. He stops her and he says, hey, sweetie. And she said, hello. He said, honey, he said, are you not afraid to go into this cemetery? It's almost dark. The wind's blowing through the leaves. A lot of shadows. 
He said, are you not afraid to go into this cemetery? And she said, oh, no, sir. I'm not afraid. And, man, that just took him back. And he said, well, honey, you don't mind me asking. He said, how is it that you're not afraid to go in this cemetery? And it's sort of broken down. Weeds are going up. and It's almost dark. And he said, how is it you're not afraid to go in this cemetery? And she looked back and she said, sir, you don't understand. She said, my home's just on the other side. People say, I don't, I don't understand you Christians. How can y'all smile at a funeral? Sometimes I come to a Christian funeral, I ever hear people laughing. How can y'all sing at a Christian funeral? How can y'all almost act like you've got joy at a Christian funeral? You know why we have joy at a Christian funeral? Because we know that Christian's not there. That shell is in that box. That shell is in that hope chest. That shell is going to be put in the ground. My little mama, godly mama, who knew Jesus Christ and prayed for me was just a shell in that little box. But I'm glad for mama. Listen, just on the other side was her home. And she knew it. But here's my question. Do you? Do you know it? You say, preacher, what's going to happen to you when you die? Friend, when I close my eyes here, I'll open my eyes there. When I, well, I've been by the bedside a few times. My wife's mom died not too, too long ago. And all our family was there. Man, we we were around the bed. And we watched Kay. That was it. You know what's so great about that? Come on, man. That next breath is celestial air. Come on, man. I just got chills, man, just saying. And so when I close my eyes here, I'll open my eyes there. When I take my last breath here, my next breath will be celestial air. Come on now, church. If I die and my wife is by my side and she's holding my hand, listen, the last hand I'll hold will be hers. But I want to tell you, the next hand I'll hold will be Nell's guard hands. Jesus Christ, are you ready? Are you going? Do you know for sure you're going? You say, Pastor, I hope I'm going. That's not good enough. You say, Preacher, I'm pretty sure I'd go. That's not good enough. Do you know you're going? Do you know that you know that you know that you're going? You say, Pastor, nobody can know. That's not what the Bible tells us. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know. You can know. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask a question or two. How many are are here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed and you'd say, Pastor, and I want you to be honest. When When you raise your hand, when you answer this question, please know that you're answering the Lord, not me. How many are here in this house this morning and you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, 
There's not one shadow of any doubt. I know that I know in whom I have believed. And I know that I've been born again, birthed into the family of God. I know that I'm saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I want you just to slip your hand up as a testimony, as a praise. You can lower your hands. Thank you. Wonderful. But here's the next question. How many are here? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to try to drag you down the aisle. I don't do that. If I did it, it wouldn't work anyway. But I wonder how many are here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, Brother Poe, I'm going to be honest. If I died today, I'm just not 100% sure I'd go. Now, preacher, don't misunderstand. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure that I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand this morning and let you say a prayer for me. I'll not pray for you by name, but I want to pray for you. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Who else? Preacher, if I die today, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Right back there. Thank you. Hey, Calvary, it's time to pray. Who else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you please remember me? Would you pray for me when you pray? God bless you. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Who else? I want to get you in on this prayer. Brother Pope, if I died today, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. I want to go. I'm just not sure I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Anybody else like that? Anybody else? I see that little hand right there. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. Anybody? Anybody else? Hey, church, I'm going to tell you something. The greatest day of my life was when I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm so thankful for my wife. I love my wife, but... And, and that was probably the second greatest day of my life. But that was not the greatest day that I married her. I'm thankful for our children and the birth of our children. And although those were wonderful days, that was not the greatest day of my life. The greatest day of my life is when I opened my heart to Jesus and Jesus took over. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And very quietly, if you don't mind, I'd like you to stand all over the house And I'm going to ask our personal workers if they'll just very quietly slip out and just find a place down here in the altar. Brother Brandon, just come on down here and get in the middle, if you will. If you're here this morning and you said, Brother Pope, if I died, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. Here's what I want you to do in just a moment. I want you to come. And we want to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. I promise you something. We're not going to embarrass you. I promise you. We're not going to make you give a speech. Nothing, nothing like that. Nothing at all like that. But we would like to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I've got loved ones, and they mean the absolute world to me, but they're lost, preacher. 
and I'm afraid they're going to miss heaven. If that's you, maybe today you just slip out and find a place here. Just find a place and just call out to the Lord concerning them. That's right. That's right. Folks are already coming. So our Heavenly Father, Lord, I feel that the Holy Spirit is definitely doing something this morning. God, thank you for reminding us of the glories of heaven. Oh, Lord, what eternity is going to be like. We can't even imagine. We can't even fathom it. God, we pray for these that have raised their hands this morning. And they were honest. I mean, they were just as honest as they can be. Preacher, I'm not sure if I died, I'd make it. God, I pray that you'd help them to come. And I pray they'd let somebody take a Bible and show them how they can know that they know that they're on their way to glory. And then, Lord, I pray you'd bless these that are coming and gather around the altars. Father, you know who they're praying for. God, we sure pray that you would honor their desire and their burden. Holy Spirit, draw them to the draw them to the Savior. Please do that. And Father, burden our hearts for the lost. Have your way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The altar's full, but listen, how about you? If you raised your hand this morning, said, Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go. I want you to slip out right now. Would you come? We just come. And I promise you, we'll have somebody meet you right here at the altar. Just come on right now. Some of you, listen, God's dealing. You're looking at me. God's dealing with you. I know I know God's dealing with you. Come on. Let go and let God have his way. Come on, right now. While folks are moving, now's a good time to come. Will you come? Will you come? Preacher, I, I want to go. Just not sure I would. Will you come? Will you come? We have some folks in the altar right now with a Bible, and they just want to show you how you can know Jesus as personal Savior. Will you come? You say, Preacher, I'd come, but I've got some things in my life, and I don't think I can conquer those. And you know what? You'd be right about that. You'd be right. You can't. You can't conquer them. But I got a good, I got a good friend. His name is Jesus. He can conquer them. He can. He can. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your working. Oh, Spirit of God, please change hearts, change lives. God, put some people on a new path today. God, set some people free. God, give people some deliverance. Oh, God, I pray some names are are written down. God, have your way. Have your way in this invitation. Just for a little bit, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Folks are getting some help. Anybody else need to make a move? Pastor, if y'all would have sang, I would have came. Well, we're getting ready to sing. So we hope you'll come. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of folks don't like an invitation. Some preach against it. 
if we don't get back to some tears on the altar again, I don't think we're going to see revival. Anybody else? Anybody else while we wait? I know these aisles, they seem about, they seem about three miles long. But if you'll ask the person beside you to come with you, they'll come. They'll come with you. So while we pause just for a moment, anybody else? I did not preach this this morning, but there may be some here today say, Preacher, I am saved. There's not even a doubt about that, but Preacher, we didn't mean to let it happen, but we just got off course. Didn't even mean to let it happen. We love the Lord. It's not like we're mad at church or mad at God. It's just that we just sort of got off course for a little while. And preacher, we really need to rededicate our life to the Lord. And the Lord's been dealing with, the, dealing with us about it for a while. If that's you, now is a good time to come. Will you come? Preacher, I've lost my joy, lost my fire, lost my excitement, lost my shout. Boy, hey, listen, I'm glad I can tell you, you can get it back today. He'll give it back to you. He'll restore what, uh, what the destroyer has taken away. So, Lord, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that I go to a church like this. I'm thankful I go where the Lord is still at work. God, right now I pray that you would do your perfect work. Father, man is limited. There's only so much I can do. Really, I can't do anything. I, I really, I don't have any power. Just the power of influence, maybe. But Holy Spirit, what I cannot do, you can do. And so right now, I pray, Holy Ghost, that you would do a supernatural work of God in hearts and lives. If there's somebody in this crowd and, and they don't know that they know that they're on their way to heaven right now, Father, help them to call out to God. And just say something like this, Lord, I'm a sinner that deserves to go to hell. And I'm sorry for my sins. And God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me of sin. And on this day, I receive your son as my Savior. Lord, today I open my heart and life to him. I want Jesus to come in and change me. I want Jesus to come in and make a new creature out of me. Today, I receive the Lord as my personal Savior. Father, have your way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. You can look up this way. We're going to sing this little chorus that just simply says, Just as I am without one plea. And folks, you're still getting some help. If you need to come, come on. We've got some folks up here, men and ladies, and they'll be glad to meet you and pray with you today. We're going to sing together. Just as I am without But that thy blood was shed.